This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Welcome to Bartender Journey Podcast number 107. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for downloading the show, and this is a great one. I talk with the very fun and interesting Mr. Warren Bobro. His new book is Bitters and Shrub Syrup Cocktails, Restorative Vintage Cocktails, Mocktails, and Elixirs. You may remember that I spoke to Warren in show number 92 about his previous book, Whiskey Cocktails. Warren's new book is, is awesome, and uh, every cocktail in here is a winner. I'll let Warren describe in a little more detail what exactly a shrub is. But basically, you take some fruit, or it could be a vegetable also, but a lot of times it's fruit. Then you add some sugar and let it sit for a while, like two days or so, depending on the recipe. And then you strain that out, put it in a mason jar, and add a little vinegar and let it sit again for up to 30 days. And the flavors are so interesting and unique. You'll be surprised. You've got to give it a try. So if you go to my website, bartenderjourney.net, I'll post a link to the book. I have a pre-release copy here, but the official release date is May 1st, 2015. So if you're listening to this as I post it in late April, you'll be able to pre-order the book uh, using that link. And I'll also put links for Warren's other two books and to his website, which is cocktailwhisperer.com, by the way. And if you go to my website, bartenderjourney.net, you can order some great spirits from Flavar. And if you use the link on my page, you'll save $10 on your first order. All right, so let's get to my talk with Warren. Greetings. Hey, Warren, how are you? I am freezing. Freezing? Why? I'm freezing because I was in Miami all weekend, and it's uh. totally cold here. <laughs> not too bad. It's getting close to spring now. No way. Not <laughs> not New Jersey. It's They're talking about snow tonight. I was no. To, I was supposed to take my snow tires off, and I can't do it because, I, because I'll crash. <laughs> I see. You have, you have a hat on. What's your hat say? It says Stroh. Oh, yeah. It says Republic of Stroh. This is... Uh, this is when I was down in uh, Miami Beach. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't, I, had, I have not had the opportunity to try that rum. It looks, uh, uh, it's, it looks it's, it's really decadent. When you see the eighty on it, what does the eighty mean to you? Eighty proof. Uh-huh. <laughs> eighty years old? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the extent of my guesses. I don't know. Uh, eighty is your is your uh, proof, not your proof. No, it's it's eighty ABY. Yeah. 100, 160 oh. proof. Oh my. <laughs> so uh, I've got so I, I was reading your, your bio on there and it said that you were the official podcaster for Tales of the Cocktail. So I have a little cup here, a little Tales oh, of the cocktail, cocktail cup. Cheers. Well, and uh, maybe I should do this slowly because this stuff is strong and I, I need to make a toast to you for, uh, for including me in your world, for being kind to me, and uh, for going forward into the future. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure, and I've mixed up something from your book mm. here. Woo! Oh, God, 160 proof. My goodness. That's, <laughs> that's hardcore, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not the first one. <laughs> anyway. Well, I've mixed up uh, two, two cocktails from your book here. Excellent. I, I have one in each hand, you see? Oh, that's good. That's very good. Nice glass. Nice big pour. Look yeah. at that. You really want to well, enjoy yeah. yourself. After uh, the evening I had last night, a champagne cocktail was just the thing. Okay, good for you. I went to the Experimental Cocktail Club. Oh, yes. And met with uh, Jorg Meyer. You know Jorg Meyer? Not personally, it, but, but I know the place. Yeah, and uh, it was, well, it was his 40th, 40th birthday, and he invited me, and I walked in, and there's Dale DeGroff sitting at the bar, and uh-huh. his lo- lovely wife, Jill. Mm-hmm. It was quite an evening. Quite did, an she, e- did she draw a character to review? No, not yet, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day one I'll day. get the honor, hopefully. Of course, of course. <laughs> 
That's funny. I'll have to bring one of those uh, Tales of the Cocktail Cups home because I haven't. Oh, yeah, I've got stacks of them. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> seen one in almost a year now. Mm-hmm. It's coming one. right up. Uh, are you coming to my uh, my event at the Pharmacy Museum? I, I will come. With, I, uh, during yeah, Tales? Doing, uh, during Tales, it is sanctioned by Anne with her blessings because we already sell my, my books at the apothecary, uh, at the uh, the pharmacy museum, uh-huh. and uh, and I'm really excited. It's on Wednesday, I think, between one and three. I will try to make it. I th- there are certain uh, seminars I'm I'm recording for tales, so there's, of course. Th- there's a couple. Uh, I have quite a few uh, commitments actually, but I will definitely try to be Wednesday at one. You say? Uh, Wednesday at one. All between right. one and three, and the esteemed Robert Sickler, the former master of whiskey for Diageo, will be mixing it up with me. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Well, I love your new book. Thank and you. It's, it's called Bitters Bitters and Shrub Syrup Cocktails. Let me start that again. Bitters and Shrub Syrup Cocktails, Restorative Vintage Cocktails, Mocktails, and Elixirs. I love that yes. word. Yeah. Uh, elixirs. Yeah. That's a cool word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sure is. And it, it kind of takes where uh, Apothecary let off. My first right. book, Apothecary Cocktails, let off. Uh-huh. And it's and, and shrubs is something that uh, I didn't know. You know, I, I had this vague idea that it was something about vinegar, and I, I wasn't sure I wanted vinegar in my cocktails, and I never really explored it. But, man, are they good. Yeah, they're really thirst-quenching, and, and I think it's really built into our DNA, whether we uh, admit it or not. But, I mean, I, I'm a real fan of Belgian sour beers, Mm. And that's where I got my love of, uh, of, of drinking these acidulated beverages. But really, the, what, what did it for me first was certainly before I started drinking beer, but it was growing up on a farm in New Jersey, and my governoress was from Germany, and the, the people who basically cooked for me were also German and mm. also from the South, mm-hmm. and they all have uh, rich traditions in using vinegar and cooking and vinegar for preservation purposes. There wasn't any reason for us to be preserving vegetables and fruits other than the fact that uh, it tasted good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tastes great. And it, it, so basically, let's explain what a shrub is, if, if you wouldn't mind. We take fruit and, and macerate well, it, sort of. Actually, that's the first thing that's wrong. It's not just fruit. It's uh, I have uh, shrubs in my book that are purely vegetable, like a mm-hmm. parsnip, carrot, celery. Celery. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do one with green pea and mint. Oh yeah, I want to try that. So the uh, you know the the constant is that you use some type of vinegar and some type of sugar, but it can be either a vegetable or a fruit or or just about any type of material that would leach uh, liquid out of it. Mm-hmm. And and time is an important aspect, isn't it? Oh, time is essential. Although I do have a whole section on what what I call hurry up shrubs, and I and I love those because they use things like balsamic vinegar. And uh, and fruit preserves. They offer a lot of flavor in a short amount of time. Delicious. And what, what, is it actually fermenting, or is it not? A- absolutely, it's it is. Fer- it's a it's a sense of fermentation. I uh, you know the the syrup is made by the by the sugars uh, reducing because of time and temperature, and you know there's a lot of scientific knowledge to do with this, and but also. You know, I, I, I have to explain, I was trained as a chef, as a saucier, and I love using these techniques in my culinary practices as well. I mean, I make gastriques, and a gastrique is vinegar and sugar added to meat juices. Interesting that Warren mentioned saucier classes, because when I spoke to Del DeGroff back in show 99, I asked him if he had advice for new or aspiring bartenders or even, you know, established bartenders. He said the same thing. I would take cooking classes, in particularly knife skills and saucier classes. 
because those are the two you're going to need most uh, often in this new culinary-style cocktail world that we live in. If you haven't listened to my chat with Dale DeGroff, you should really go back and listen to that. Uh, Show 99, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Okay, back to Warren. That phrase gets tossed around a lot, a culinary approach to cocktails, but you, sir... You take the cake in that in that category, I would say. Well, there was a need. There was an absolute need. I was having a lot of trouble in the uh, in the food writing category because most of the people who are food writers have never set foot in a professional kitchen, and I wanted to ask them why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I started as a pot scrubber. I had graduated from Emerson College in Boston with a degree in film, and I worked in television in New York City, and it was highly unfulfilling. So I moved back up to Maine and became a, a, a pot scrubber because... Being, having ra- been raised on and off in Europe, I always paid attention to how people start in the restaurant business. So I believe that you are, develop flavor from a young age, and I certainly wasn't too old to wash dishes. So that's where I started. That was my first job, too, when I was 14. I was a dishwasher in yeah, restaurants. It gives, it gives you credibility, except for uh, here in, in New Jersey, all the major food writers have never set foot in a restaurant. Yeah. Kitchen. Kitchen. <laughs> kitchen. I mean, I, I must admit, they might, they might know something about food, but they've never you know, plunged their hands into a pot of boiling water and found that all the chefs have put their, uh, their knives in there. So, <laughs> but anyway, you know, so that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. But I think what, what it does is it, it taught me to appreciate concentrated flavors made by people who are passionate about what they do. And, uh, and I really love my, my craft and, and the niche that I've made for myself within it. So certainly I was a chef and certainly I, I, I understand flavor. And I saw that there was a real need within the cocktail community to bring that, that, that feeling of comfort to people who may not necessarily want to go out and get drunk, but they want to be able to have something that's in flavor as diverse as, say, wine. And I'll go out on a limb writing, saying that because I write about wine for Drink Up New York, mm-hmm. and that certainly gives me my chops. But I, but I will say that, that it's very important to be able to, you know, alcohol offers a diversity of flavors. Mm-hmm. And cocktails offer, a, I believe, truly in my heart, a greater diversity of flavors than wine. You know, wine you have red and you have white. You have all the denominations thereof. There's no, there's no, no snobbery in cocktails, but my gosh, there is in wine. <laughs> there sure is. And I, you know, I, I really just let my mind wander and have fun and and try to make people, you know, excited. And you know, I'm looking at my at my business cards. And right at the top of it, it says, I make you hungry and thirsty. And that's, <laughs> that's absolutely great. true. Yeah, that's great. The, these cocktails are very um, soothing and, and uh, they're wonderful. Um, just, you know, something else I love about this book is the uh, spirits required to make them are stuff that most everyone has already. You know, I mean, it's true. Well, you can open a lot of books and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as for, you know, you need pap- pamplemousse rose liqueur. I'm like, what is well, that? that? Was- that was the problem that I ran into in apothecary cocktails, and I understand it, and I took my criticism to heart, and I really tried to make it something that was very approachable. So you did, and, I, and I'm also very brand sensitive. You know, no one pays me to use their brands in my, in my books. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take any money. I think it sends a very bad, bad example to yeah. our industry when you say, oh, well, I only use specific brands. If right. I use Fernet Branca, there's a reason for me to be using Fernet Branca because right. it has a specific technique. Right. It does something. But it's not because they're giving me money or, you know, or, or you know, it's just you have all the, the really big brands. And I, I've made it a point of only writing about craft spirits. It's just who I am. 
and it gives you an understanding of, of, of what I try to achieve because I'm really interested in passion. And I guess the reason why I'm so interested in that, if anyone wanted to know, was because I owned a, a small business in Charleston, South Carolina before the Hurricane Hugo took everything from me. And I, so I understand what it is to be in business and how, what the pressures are and how tough it is to go out of business and lose you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars of your own money, not, yeah. someone, not your investors, but your own stuff. And it, and it hurts. So when I look at, at small businesses and I look at big business, I'd much rather deal with small businesses because I see the passion in it. It's, and it's always about making money. I mean, you have to make money to exist unless you're just stinking rich and you don't care. Yeah. But no one I've ever come across is like that, and I certainly don't expect anyone else to be. Yeah, yeah. It is great meeting, meeting with these small distillers. And, it, you know, it's like this is the guy who, who made this stuff, you know, with his own two hands. And here he is, you know, talking about it and serving you a sample. It's, it's yeah, just and great his, stuff. And his name isn't Tito. <laughs> All right, we won't go there. I, I'm sure you've read about the uh, the uh, class action, action lawsuits. I and all that. know more than is said, and that's what makes it so exciting because I love really knowing the players within the industry, and I do the very best job that I can to like everyone. And if I have something not nice to say, I'm probably not going to say it at all. So that's why I write a book like Bitters and Shrubs, because I'm appealing to a real broad community of people who are interested in history. They're interested in nostalgia. They're interested in flavor. They're interested in food. They're interested in, in their stomach and digestion. They're interested in, in homeopathics. Right. They're interested in all different things and they might like to get a buzz on. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> why do you drink? People, people, they're always telling me all this pie in the sky stuff. You drink to get a buzz, please. <laughs> I mean, otherwise it wouldn't have alcohol, right? Right, right. Well, you you do have some mocktails in here that are. I do. I certainly have a chapter of mocktails, and I love working with mocktails. And I always play a little tongue in cheek that all my mocktails can be used with alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? And then I also have a whole chapter on culinary because yeah. as, a, as a trained cook, and, and I, I'm more comfortable calling myself a cook than a chef, primarily because I'm, you know, most chefs don't get out from behind their desk, and yeah. most cooks are the ones who are in the, you know, in the weeds. The front lines, yeah. So, yeah, so, it's, you know, it's important to me to be like that. Yeah. The, uh, the grilled tangerine shrub is so delicious. And, you know, speaking of mocktails, that, that it goes great just with some uh, seltzer, some sparkly water. Sparkling Absolutely. water. Delicious. Yeah, but but uh, it also goes really well with some champagne like I have it here. Yeah, yeah here. you know, <laughs> I, I actually love the grilled tangerine shrub with uh, like a ch the Chow Bella uh, chocolate gelato. Mm. It's, you know, chocolate and orange is one of those classic combinations. And it, uh, it, it becomes almost woven together. And yeah. I really love that. Yeah, it's delicious. And you do a lot of that grilling the fruit before you, before yeah, well, you make things. It, it, well, you know, we don't always have the ability of having the best quality ingredients. I mean, as much as I go to Whole Foods and I try to buy the very best. But to, to capture the peak of flavor, you, you have to kind of push the, the fruit or push the vegetable through caramelization. So it you know it reveals their natural sugars. So that's why I like to you know I love broiling grapefruits and, and making. Mm. When I, I taught up at a Stonewall Kitchen in uh, in Maine uh, mm. last summer, I taught mocktails up there, and uh, and I grilled grapefruits. 
yeah. on their on it, you know, over an open flame, and then let them cool. And I squeezed the juices after they were crusty and caramelized, mm. and I mixed that with uh, with a little bit of uh, seltzer water and some nice bitters, you know, all different types of bitters. And under the table, I had a bottle of Bar Hill gin. And <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned that Bar Hill um, the last time we spoke. Love Bar Hill. Love I Bar been Hill. Able to find I'm, it. Oh, I'll, it's available in New York, and I'll absolutely arrange to get you a bottle. And whether oh, awesome. I have to, I'll probably have to bring you up a bottle. I'm, I'm doing a tasting. Actually, I'm doing a tasting on Saturday at Whole Foods, Saturday the 25th at Whole Foods in Paramus, New Jersey. Oh, that's not far. So it's not far from you. If you want to stop by, I can yeah. uh, certainly get you a bottle. I will try to do that. I yeah, I'll, I'll have the Tomcat, which is aged in whiskey casks, new oak for six to eight months. Mm-hmm. I'll have the vodka with me. The vodka is distilled from 100% raw honey from wow. their own hives. They wow. have a thousand of their own beehives. Is it sweet? And then it is not sweet at all. Yeah. It's not sweet at all. It, it's really, it's pretty uh, uh, wild stuff. And then I, uh, I'll also have the gin with me, and the gin is my true love. It's yeah. made with organically grown corn. And also uh, a very light application of juniper. It's in the London dry style as opposed to the botanical style. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's made also with raw honey. So it's 50% raw honey, 50% grain. Just gorgeous stuff. It's so it, – it tells a story. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, boy. I'm reading now um, the King's Distillery book. Have you seen that? Oh, the, yes, yes. King's County Distillery. King's County Distillery. They know I, me. I, yeah, well, I, I, guys, they all know me. Uh, yeah, I'm planning to go meet them uh, next week and uh, see their place and talk to them on the show. But uh, it's got me like I, I could do that. I can I can make it's illegal. I'm you know I'm not saying I'm gonna do it. But well, no, you, you know it's funny. I on Google Plus the other day there was there's a company that's selling stills and everyone's saying oh now I can drink for free and I said well now you can do, drink for free and when the eight when the TTB comes knocking on your door <laughs> and seizes your house and takes your car and <laughs> throws you into jail and you know taxation's a big deal and they don't mess around and uh, unless you want to talk like a serious rational person I really don't want to have the conversation about you going out and buying stills what I'm saying is if you're talking about liquor that's my topic and if you want to you know have an argument with me I'll go head to head with you about how Distillers have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to start to, to distill, and why should some one home distiller, you know, spoil the apple cart? And that's what happens. Well, one thing he mentions in the book is you're not going to save money. <laughs> no, you're not. And, what's, and at the end of the day, if you start giving it to your friends, they are going to find out about you, and it doesn't take very long. Yeah, it's also flammable and quite dangerous. Well, it's, yeah, it's very flammable. I mean, my, my family was in the in the patent pharmaceutical business and they had they had a fire. I remember mm-hmm. when they had a fire. They were making my grandfather's probably his most famous product was Aqua Velva, but mm-hmm. his most famous edible product was uh, was Geritol. Mm-hmm. And Geritol was ethyl alcohol, mm-hmm. caramel coloring and flavorings. It it didn't even really have any, you know, vitamins in it at the mm-hmm. very beginning. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the FTC held them to task, you know, for making snake oil that they actually called a vitamin tonic. But, uh, but you know, that stuff is highly inflammable, and, yeah. and you can really run into a world of trouble. On the uh, on the back of my little bottle of uh, of Stroh here, it has an airplane with a cross through it. What do you think that means? <laughs> Don't bring it on an airplane. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yikes! The new terror threat there. Your, your oh, bottle man. of rum. 
<laughs> well, that's interesting. Geritol was Geritol goes along the lines of uh, bitters and elixirs, and it's a. Uh, well, it was a tonic. It was a tonic. Yeah. It, it was a vitamin tonic that was meant for people who had supposed supposedly had what they called uh, iron poor blood. But as we find out, uh, you know, iron anemia is something that only affects a very small number of our population, and 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 the, of that. The only people that suffer from it are women. So it wasn't like men, you know, having to take this for a pick-me-up. Uh, my dad was the head of the tax division, so I, we, and my mother, of course, my mother's father owned the business. So, uh, so what was fascinating about it is when they started testing uh, Geritol Jr., they tested it out on me, and that was 35, it was 35% alcohol, it was 70 <laughs> So before I'd go to school in the morning, my mom would give me my tablespoon or two of Geritol Jr. and I'd take my vitamins and I'd get a little buzz on before I'd go to the Gill School in the morning. And how, so, yeah. so how'd you do in school? <laughs> do you see the choice of careers that I made? <laughs> I'm not in the hospitality business because I'm some poor slob who doesn't have any manners. I learned from day one. <laughs> well, I try. you know, I, I wanted to try – I. Did try the peach and um, basil yes, shrub, yes, and yes. I, well, I screwed up. I left the basil in too long, and I, it got bitter. Yeah, it'll get black. It'll get bitter. It'll get black. It, it's really an overnight. You just and and really, what you want to do is you want to roll the basil until it's like a cigar and cut it like a chiffonade, mm-hmm. which is a way of cutting it on an angle, and it reveals its inner t- textures and and, mm-hmm. and flavors that way. So bitter, you know. You could almost have made it into a, into a bitters at that point mm. if it got too bitter. You could dispense it by you know drop by drop and, and maybe you know make a gin and tonic and put your mm. uh, your peach and uh, and basil bitters in it. That sounds delicious. I know I shouldn't have thrown it away. Yeah, Darn. you know the only reason you should show, throw anything away in in the uh, in the cocktail arts is when it starts foaming and speaking in foreign languages. <laughs> I like how you say that in the book. If it foams and starts talking, throw it away. <laughs> talking, just, that's all bad. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try that again. And then the peaches weren't that good to begin with. So later oh, in the summer, that's still that's be. why you broil the peaches. You know, you would take the peaches and you throw them in the oven. But you know, as I like to say in culinary school, my favorite class. Was, was sanitation. So, <laughs> what not to do? It's interesting, isn't it? When you when you get into really like how to how to clean things industrially, I mean, it's 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 so important, and it's not you know it's, it it is an art in itself in a way. Yeah, I mean, sanitarians are are truly a dying art in the restaurant business. Although towns and counties are taking a much heavier approach on on sanitary practices. I mean, especially in the area that I live here in New Jersey. You know, we're an hour out of New York City, but it's like the dark ages from a culinary perspective. So when and restaurants start experimenting with gastro mixology and 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 techniques that are like Ferran, you know, Adria would would have done at Ilbuli in, in Spain. They they want to close them down immediately because they don't understand that sous vide doesn't necessarily mean holding it at the temperature danger zone for a hundred hours. What it means is it's slowly breaking down the proteins, and the, the product is going to be cooked again. It's just a furtherance of its tech of its texture and its technique. And uh, I may not necessarily want to eat that product, but still, it's completely safe. Mm. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I mean nothing, nothing at all. But because they're so provincial out here, and it's a you know it's a one party system. So if mm. it isn't uh, cream chip beef on toast, they don't want it. <laughs> and I was thinking about that last night. I was at, I was at a high end cocktail bar in Manhattan, and you know there's uh-huh. hundreds of cheater bottles on the bar, you know. And I'm like, uh-huh. what is all that stuff? And yep. 
are we sure it's okay for it all to be out at room temperature all night? Yeah, well, that, that I worry about, and, and you know, a lot, but but that's why you have great barbacks. Yeah. You have people who are, who are taking real care in you know the stuff that's sitting out at room temperature. But you know, it's very easy just to fix that by putting a little bit of vinegar in anything, mm. or even vodka. Right, right. You know, when I'm doing simple syrup, I drop a little bit of vodka into it. So it becomes more stable. Did you see uh, Camper English's study on that? He, he, he took simple syrup, rich simple syrup, uh, simple syrup with vodka, rich simple syrup with vodka, and see how long they lasted. Camper is one of the smartest people I know. And I, I, I always – we were Ministry of Rum Judges in 2010 for Ed Hamilton out in San Francisco. And I realized at that point that he's – I believe he's a microbiologist – so, you know, he is a scientist by training and he really is very intelligent and he would never tell you how smart he is. <laughs> but when he does any sort of uh, calculation or, uh, or sugar analysis or anything like that. I know that, that he knows what he's talking about because he has practical knowledge. Yeah, he, it's very scientific, his experiments. And speaking yeah. of uh, his – the thing he's most famous for is ice. And, uh, well, yeah. I mean. <laughs> and uh, you, sir, with your with the, your whiskey book just got me totally hooked on hand-cut ice. I mean I, I, I just am appalled by anything else at this point. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want you to know that I just spent the last uh, four days in Miami Beach. Yeah. And uh, I was the, at Strobe on the gold medal at, uh, at the Rum Renaissance. And you know, during my 15-hour days, there was points there where I was privy to the ability of going out and getting some really carefully crafted cocktails. And I will tell you that the, probably the greatest uh, Negroni I've had of my, my recent memory was at the Broken Shaker okay. in Miami Beach. Yeah. And my family owned a house on Hibiscus Island for over 50 years. And the Broken Shaker was like a, a, a microcosm of my family's house, a classical Art Deco mansion in you know South, South Beach. And they really get it there. And mm. all the ice was hand cut. When they mixed the even when they mixed the drink, they did it in, in cold draft, which no one else does in town. Yeah. I mean, even the rum line, which which I loved, and they did a great job, and the class class act there is not doing their stirring in cold draft. Yeah. So, you know, the the attention to detail was so apparent at Broken Shaker, and I buy it, and I get it, and I want more of it, and I want to go back ASAP, and I want to mix up cocktails with them because it was so intimate and it was so mm -hmm. precise. But everyone was doing it with a smile on their face. Yeah. It was fabulous. And it translated through to the cocktail. And I looked at them and I was like, man, I'm not going anywhere, even if I don't even have a drink, just to sit here and watch. Right, right. It was brilliant. It's so important, I isn't felt it? Like I, I felt like I was in a, in a secret society. Yeah. That was, that was open to everyone. So it was inclusive rather than exclusive. But before I, I was – Way early for uh, York Myers' party last night, and uh, so I stopped by a couple of the high-end cocktail bars I, bars I hadn't been to before in Manhattan. And um, the first one I went to, it, you know, world-class cocktail bar, beautiful, perfect, everything's perfect, you know. And the hospitality was lacking. Let me see if I can get my camera <laughs> to uh, to see. Do you see that? Uh, there no. it is. No, I don't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, that's that's my only. favorite New York contact co cocktail. Employees market. only. Yep, I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it because because they they do have complicated drinks, but they also have simple drinks, and I really enjoy how carefully they do the simple ones and how they make everyone feel so welcome when you walk in the door. You just feel. Oh welcome. my god! If you can get past the fortune teller, you're set. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just open my sleeve. If there's a line, I go to the front. I open my sleeve. And they're like, oh. <laughs> Okay. You go to the head of the line. 
I said that last. I said this last time we spoke. I, my favorite, my perfect evening is going to the White Horse Tavern across the street and then employees oh, only. Right. That's that's the right. best. That's the best. Yes. So anyway, then after I left that high end cocktail I was just talking about, I went to the next one down the road. Right. And it, you know, it was it's a tiny, tiny little place. You know, you can't fit more than maybe twenty people in the place, but it was. So fun, you know. It had such a sense of history, and everyone was friendly and talking. And you know, I, you know, I, there was no stools left. And I said, "Is all right if I just stand at the bar?" He said, "Oh, of course." You know, <laughs> which not every bar in the, not every high end cocktail bar in the in the world would nah. do that. You know, if there's no stools nah. left, you don't get in. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's it. We just had uh, that was a great, great experience. And you know, both I mean, both places I went I had amazing cocktails mezcal i'm into lately <laughs> yeah um i i love mezcal i'm i'm less attracted to scotch but i'm more attracted to mezcal probably because of my friendship with ron cooper because he really opened up my eyes to what flavor meant from a very terroir level you know you know flavor the taste of the place and the understanding of you know, Different different terroir for different village, and you know, having studied wine and drunk my family's cellar, I, I understand, you know, that they'll never forgive me for those, you know, first growth wines. But I do understand what that things taste differently from place to place, and his and you know, Ron's uh, mezcal definitely does do that. I'm I'm not familiar with Ron Cooper. Ah, well, it's time for you to look for uh, Del Maguay. Okay. Yeah, he's a small little Jewish guy with a ponytail, but. You know, don't hold it against them. <laughs> I like how you use um, salt in cocktails every once in a while. I love – well, that's that's because I'm a culinarian right. and I uh, I use salt for flavor, not salt for salt. And what it does is it, it there's some sort of chemical technique that brings out certain flavors, sweet flavors, or it balances a sour flavor. But I, I love to use salt. And, and I'm not over-salting. What I'm no. trying to do is I'm trying to reveal deeper flavors within a uh, craft cocktail. Well, that's what salt is, right? It, it awakens flavors. It's you know, it's right. it, it, that's what it's for, you know. Yeah, and and I, I don't think people should be afraid to put salt in their cocktails. One, one of the great things that you do is you take watermelon, cut it up, put it with lime juice and salt. Mm, love that. I mean, that's and then the, the you know the tequila shots on the side and yeah. everything is gorgeous. And <laughs> do you know uh, Greg Sider? No, I he, don't. He he wrote a book. He, he uses um, salt or a saline solution, actually. A few, oh, okay. few, you know, a few drops like um, like you would bitters, but right. But uh, I think it's a great idea. You know, it just awakens the taste buds a little bit. Well, what it's meant to do is offer it offers balance. And something I learned from being down at, at Rum Renaissance and mixing the Stroh cocktail with ginger beer, three different types of chocolate bitters: Bitter Truth, Joe Fee's. Aztec chocolate mm-hmm. and uh, Arizona Bitters Labs uh, Mas Mole, uh, and then I finished off uh, completely with the uh, Jamaican Jerk Bitters from uh, Bitter End in Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's Bill mm-hmm. York's company. Brilliant mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so it was smoky and it was spicy. There was ginger beer. There was Stroh. You know, Stroh one. You know, mm-hmm. the 160 proof Stroh, and but everything was melded into the drink beautifully. And it created this incredible sense of balance. So it was really the crowd favorite for the entire show as opposed to, you know, the big players who were always over in the room making their big vats of pina coladas, you know, and people would be, you know, ill in the back. But but really at at Rumfest, it it was such a unique experience. And I I, I never went into it thinking that it would be the favorite. I went in thinking that, you know, I've got the – the marketing director from Austria sitting next to me, and I better not sit down for uh, the next 
four days. <laughs> so what was it beside the Stroh? The Stro, uh, I, I worked with Stroh specifically at, at, yeah. at Rumfest. But it was um, the cocktail you were talking about, I mean? Uh, I call it the Strover Achiever, and it's mm -hmm. a two-ingredient cocktail. Mm. It says the Stroh 160 proof rum, mm -hmm. uh, Barrett's ginger beer graciously donated uh, several cases of their you know, really nice, spicy Bermuda-style ginger beer. Mm. I used uh, Joe Fee's Aztec chocolate bitters. I love those. Uh, I used uh, Bitter Truth uh, spiced chocolate bitters, and I used Mas Mole from Arizona Bitters Lab. Wow. Which is great. And then I used uh, the Bitter End Jamaican Jerk and an orange zest. Mm. So it's really a two-ingredient cocktail with bitters. With a well, a bunch of bitters though. That's cool. yeah, but but it, it's it's like I it was taught to build, to make soup. You build mm. flavor. You mm. you don't put everything in one vat. You put a little bit of this. You put a little bit of that, and it creates this this thing of rare beauty. And you know, and my drinks don't take for you know they're not seven-minute drinks. They're th they're two-minute drinks. <laughs> But uh, because if you're a cocktail, you know, if you're an artist and you're in the weeds and you have, you know, they're 18 back at the at the bar and you pull a, a 10 minute craft cocktail, yeah. you know, they'll call you prima donna and you're out of there. Yeah. So I love to, to unleash flavor through the bitters. The right. base ingredients are the liquor and the mixer. The bitters are the embellishments. Right, right. But on the other hand, you know, your shrubs take at least well, most of them take 48 hours to, to 30 days, you know, and, yeah, uh, well, they but, have to, and otherwise they, they'll buy someone else's book, <laughs> but there, but it, it, it really gives you a different mindset. Like, you know, you can really take time and, and create something really unusual and, and different, you know, by, by doing this, by putting that element of time, obviously you, you do that ahead of time. You're not making it, but, uh, but there are shrubs that you can do other than you you know, yeah, yeah. and and you can use you can use ingredients like uh, you know fruit preserves and balsamic vinegar and you know either white balsamic or red balsamic, and you can extract those flavors over a over just as long as it takes to mash it through a mortar and pestle, and then you know shake it up and double strain it, and you have a rudimentary shrub that may not have the depth and the and the quality that, that that you get in a shrub that takes 30 days or 60 days or 90 days but what you have is something that you can say I made this. Yeah. This is from my heart. This is from my passion. This right. shows my prowess not only as a bartender, but as a mixologist, but as a culinarian, but as someone who's interested in food and wine and spirits and how they all work together. It really is. A, it's a different approach, and it's it's very complex and different. This is wonderful. This is a strawberry rhubarb uh, shrub. Mm -hmm. uh, it's with, beautiful. Yeah. With, uh, it's beautiful. With the, um, it's a twist on the French 75, really. Right, right, right. right. With, right. with some gin. And uh -huh. um, I love the sugar rim with the uh, lemon zest it's fun. mixed it's in. Fun. It's delicious and it's wonderful. Yeah, and, yeah it's, and, it, and it gives you that, that spark of, yeah. of, of citrus, which I love, and, it, and it, it makes you thirsty. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But you, I guess you don't want to put that lemon with the sugar too too soon because it'll start to um, it'll start to macerate. I guess. Yeah. Well, actually, what it's going to do is it's going to ferment. Mm, mm -hmm. <laughs> actually, I, yeah. My uh, my plate's been sitting here. This mm -hmm. plate's been sitting here for about uh, thirty minutes now with the lemon zest and the sugar. Nice. And it's, start, it's starting to uh, yeah, yeah. It's starting to extract. It'll start release. It'll what it'll do is it'll release its sugars. It, it's natural sugars. It's liquids. Right. And then you you could just as easily take some white balsamic vinegar mm. and put that in there and then mix it in with a little more gin. 
Mm, I might just put that on my finger and eat it. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. <laughs> I like how you describe in the book, um, you know, bitters, for, for people who don't know, they, they're not quite sure what bitters are. I like your description. Bitters is a boozy kind of tea. That's a great description. Yeah, it really is a boozy kind of tea. And, and But the history of bitters go back to Paraclesius, which, which, you know, was really the father of herbal healing in Sweden. And I and I love I love how Swedish bitters are are just totally forgotten by the cocktail community. But you can get like a really big bottle for like ten bucks, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> and they do the same thing. They're wonderful. But then then you know I, I love talking about Angostura, and I'm a huge mm. fan of Angostura. So I made some veal chops last night, and I put I marinated them in Angostura bitters, and then I put them in the grill pan, you know the 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 you know the cast iron grill pan. So I had this wonderful caramelized uh, pimento and and sweet spices and you know all the flavors of angostura and mm. it acts as a natural tenderizer and sure they were tender veal chops as, a, as they were but it, it makes them even more tender really something I learned from you know sailing down the Caribbean my uh, my family had a, a beautiful little harbor sailboat for many many years for you know for 20 years and we sailed all through the Caribbean and you wouldn't always get the very very freshest things because yeah. of refrigeration sure. being what it was so if you were fortunate to get a fresh killed chicken you wouldn't have it fresh for very long because of the high temperature you would put it into a, I would put it into a stainless steel bowl and I would put at least a cup of Angostura bitters on it when after it was cut up into you know into eighths or sixteenths or whatever you did you know even if it's just little niblets of, of chicken the Angostura what it does by the nature of of of, it, of the product would actually start cooking in the chicken so by the time it hit the grill uh, it was already like a like a chicken ceviche uh, which you would never eat yeah. but <laughs> but it goes on the grill and it and it caramelizes and it gets crusty and it gets sweet and it gets wow. Oh, my God. Until you've had Angostura chicken, you just haven't lived. A cup of Angostura. I've never – wow. It, it sounds well, – I mean big, it, it sounds chicken, like it would be salty. No, no. Angostura isn't salty at all. Hmm. Angostura is sweet. I mean you, you've made it, you've had a pink gin, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean pink gin is like 10 swigs of, uh, yeah. of Angostura bitters and a yeah. cup of gin. Yeah, yeah. And it's not the gin that's going to get you buzzed. It's the fact that it's stimulating the peptic acids in your stomach and you're, it's making you salivate. And you get hungry and thirsty and, and you want some of that Angostura chicken. <laughs> well, Angostura will get you buzzed too if you drink enough of it. <laughs> well, but, you, but you wouldn't. That's why it's sold in the supermarket because yeah. it is 190 proof or something, but it, right. it, 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 would, it would just never be. Yeah, yeah, that's great stuff. Did you did you try their uh, new Amaro? I have, yeah, at the uh, at Rumfest they had it. It was pretty good, you know. I, I their their chief distiller was there, and there's not a whole lot I could, you know. I I was on the clock for someone else, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. couldn't pay too much attention to what yeah. was going on around me. But I did pay attention to Angostura because I'm a big fan of their stuff. Yeah, that's great stuff. They announced the Amaro at the uh, at Tales last year, and they had a big mm -hmm. launch event, uh, which was fun. And uh, somebody, somebody from um, Julie Reiner's bar made a uh, wonderful cocktail with sherry and the Amaro and, mm. and gin, I think. It, oh, boy, it was good. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting company. I mean, it's been around for, what, over 100 years? And well, 1830s. I mean, that's really a, a great thing. Very really, cool. You know, when I reintroduced myself to them, it was, it was very profound. Because I was able, I had my book Apothecary Cocktails with me, and I pointed to the things that I used Angostura in my book mm -hmm. to the people who make Angostura bitters, yeah, and Angostura rum, really. 
Yeah, their their rum is quite good actually. Their rum is excellent. Really rum great stuff. Excellent. And yeah. rum is yeah. I feel like it's about to have a breakout because there's so many wonderful rums and there, there, there's such bargains in rum. Well, and, it, it uh, is, and, and it's also because of those barrels. And where you know you know because you're a pro, but most people don't know that rum barrels are not from rum; they're from bourbon. Yeah. But also, you know, guys like Jim McEwen from uh, Murray McDavid takes Guyanese rum or rum from these shuttered you know, distilleries and he ages them in scotch whiskey casks. Yeah. And, uh, there was a, there was a guy, uh, next to me from Japan. He had nine leaves and he takes rum from his own distillery in Japan and ages it in, in either American oak or scotch whiskey casks. Mm-hmm. Brilliant stuff. And, it, and since it's made in hot weather climates, it ages a lot quicker. So a seven well, year old, seven year old, eight year old rum is amazing. Well, yeah, especially like the uh, the rums that are from India, you know, the mm. the, the Amrit ones from R- my friend Raj. I mean, they they're incredible. They age three times as quickly. Yeah. Oh, I haven't because tried it's, that. Because it's oh, you must. Oh, you must. Good. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Well, this uh, I I said I made two bo- two cocktails from your book. This is the uh, Saratoga Race Day cocktail, and so it has that grilled tangerine shrub we were talking about, uh-huh. and and some um and some scotch and the uh, and the. And champagne. It's great. That's wonderful. It's delicious. I, I, I was just up in Saratoga. I did the Empire North Liquor Show, and I made some creative – I made a cocktail with uh, a ginger syrup, uh, you know, Pickett's ginger, ginger syrup. You're probably familiar with them. It's mm-hmm. Jim Pickett who's one of the founders of Brooklyn Brewery. Mm. And when he divested of that, he opened up his own artisanal ginger beer company. But he's not making ginger beer as we know it. He's making it as a extra hot and spicy syrup. Mm. And it's made in Brooklyn. It's brilliant stuff. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of it. So at Empire, I used the ginger syrup. I used the the straw rum. I used seltzer water, and I used uh, I brought like 50 different types of bitters up with me. <laughs> the shrubs themselves are they were uh, they considered to have medicinal quality, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they were originally invented as uh, beverages meant for digestion. And the reason why they were important it was because the water was poisonous. Most of the foods that we ate were poisonous. People didn't live very long because they were walked around doubled over with cramps. Mm. So uh, vinegar is an natural uh, peptic acid, and it you know it creates a, a feeling of digestion and it helps you go. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, it's but it is. A, it's very soothing. You know, the uh, almost like a you know like a nice tea when you're you know when you're not feeling well. It really uh, oh, has a soothing yeah. quality. Well, I love ginger syrup with. Uh, with just about anything that starts with an R has an U in the middle and ends with an M. <laughs> I went uh, recently to Paul Packle's event, he, you know, about the rum authority. He's doing these, oh, yeah. he's oh, doing yeah. these events to promote uh, rum awareness. Oh. And it's, uh, it was really fun. It was really interesting. Yeah. Well, he's a good guy. He's, he knows his stuff. And, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I, I have to preface everything. I am truly a newcomer to this and I've achieved great things, but it's all a, I've only been really working in spirits in the spirits world since 2011. So mm. five, four years, if that, to be, you know, to have a name that that people recognize, yeah. to be able to walk into a room and not feel like I, 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 I'm not a no one, and I, I may be a nobody still, but I'm a nobody that people are starting to know who is. 
That's cool. My my story's similar. I mean, I bartended for years and years and years, but I didn't know a thing about it. I didn't know who Dale DeGroff was until a few years ago, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, until I started ex- exploring and seeing what else is out there, you know, and there's a whole, you know, it's all about never ending and constant improvement, right? Well, I think really at the end of the day, what it is about is hospitality. Right. And I'm fortunate. I worked in hotels. I worked for the Scottsdale Princess Hotel. Yeah, it didn't work out so well. I mean, I did the uh, the winter season, and then they lay everyone off, and I didn't go back. But I think what it is is understanding that there's a greater good to what we do. It's not, and it's not just about intoxication. It's about responsible drinking. It's about uh, in drinking for pleasure instead of to mask your pain. Mm-hmm. I can't tell people how to drink or what to drink, all I can tell them is to drink better and to drink better ice. You know, use, <laughs> use better ice. And don't, don't, God forbid, you use concentrated juices. Oh, I go crazy oh, that's the worst. that stuff. Oh. Well, cheers. I think that's a wonderful place to leave it. I love cheers that. Cheers to you. Yes, and, indeed. And thank you so much for talking to me, Warren. I really appreciate it's, it. It's my, my pleasure and my, my really my honor, Brian. And, uh, you know, Keep in touch with me, and I will. I'll be down at Tails, so we'll get yeah. together then. And we'll, and hopefully Saturday, I'll, I'll see you at uh, Whole Foods. It'll be that'd be really nice. But if nothing else, we'll have a we'll get Marvin Allen to make us milk punches with my gnome Klaus at the on the carousel. Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, Warren. Thank you so Cheers much. Cheers to you, sir. Look forward to it. Okay. Bye-bye. Be well. Okay. Bye. That was a lot of fun. I highly recommend this book. So go to my website, bartenderjourney.net, and you'll see the link to that book, as well as Warren's other other books. Thanks for listening to Bartender Journey. Hey, if you haven't subscribed, why not? You'll get the new episodes as soon as they're posted uh, automatically, downloaded to your phone or whatever. And if you're on iTunes, do me a big favor. Go and leave a review. Give some stars. Five is the most stars you can give. Five. I'm not telling you how many to give. I'm just telling you five is the most And uh, if you leave a little review, that helps a lot, too. It helps other people find the show. Uh, So please do that, and I'll put a link to that on the show as well so you can click through. Uh, It'll bring you to an iTunes webpage, and then you click View in iTunes, and that's where you leave the review. I'd appreciate it. Feel free to get in touch for any reason. My email address is vince.bartender at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at barkeeptips. Go to Facebook and search for Bartender Journey and like the page. Like it. And uh, what else? I mentioned the website a bunch of times already, bartenderjourney.net. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I will see you next time here on Bartender Journey. Cheers. (laughs) 